Hello, my name is Mimba Dodwell and this is Ordinary Artists. podcast are a little bit different. In this one, I'm hosting a Q&A session. I was really happy to be invited to do this and it was really exciting and I hope to be doing more in the future. Um, so basically, this is a Q&A session for Yolanda's show, Quarter Life Crisis, which was previewing at Oval House this April. In this Q&A session, which is basically like my podcast, but this time I had four panel members who I was talking to, and there were audience members there asking questions and also laughing along, which is kind of nice, actually. It fills up the space. Um, so I was interviewing Yolanda Mercy, the writer, creator and actor of the show, Jade Lewis, the director, Gemma Lloyd, the producer, and Luelle Aljamala, who was the sound and visual designer. And it was really great to have an audience there because they asked questions which I hadn't considered and were curious to know themselves. And it was really nice, actually. It was like, oh didn't think about that but that is a very good point to ask so I hope you enjoyed this Q&A session also some great news about the show if you missed it at Oval House because it was sold out which was amazing it was sold out for all performances um, that it's going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival um, in August as part of the Underbelly Untapped so I'm really glad for Yolanda that it's going to be there for the summer um, so you can go see it at the Fringe Festival if you go there I would highly recommend actually just going to the Fringe Festival it's one of the best experiences for people who are interested in theatre or if you just want to see a variety of shows which are taking risks and yeah that's it yeah take shows that take risks because sometimes you don't always see that on the bigger stages anyway um before i kick off the q a session i just thought i would say a few bits about some people who are doing some cool things in the next coming month Afsana Gray's show, Octopus, is going on tour um, starting from the 28th of April. It's going to be in London. And then it's going on tour around the UK. And then it's coming back to London later on. So go check that out because it looks really interesting. And I'm, I'm going to try and see it here in Greenwich. Um, and also, Roy Alexander Wise's show is going to be on at Park Theatre in Frinsbury. It's called The Ugly One. I mean, his show, as in he's directing the show. The Ugly One. Um, it looks really interesting. I checked out the synopsis and I was like, that looks like a very interesting show. And lastly, Caleb Femi is um, going to be in Waterstones on the 28th, oh no, sorry, the 29th and 30th of this month. And him and some other poets are going to be reading poetry in Waterstones, which sounds really cool, actually, and kind of like my day out. Um, so, yeah, so if you would like to hear more about what people are doing, um, then just follow me on Twitter because I always share what they're doing. I always like it's important to share and keep up with the people that I interview, as well as people who I'd like to interview. I retweet them as well. Um, and people who I just think are interesting. So yeah, follow me on Twitter for that. So here we go. I'll be recording this Q&A session as part of my podcast as well. So you can hear back, you can hear it back. And, um, and yeah, it's kind of cool. It's the first time I'm doing this, so I'm really excited. Um, so this is Jade Lewis, director, Yolanda. <laughs> Yolanda, as you've just seen perform, and um, who's the actor and writer, Gemma Lloyd, who's the producer, and Louie, who is the sound and visuals, who you also saw on stage as well. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, so I'm going to start off just asking them some questions, and then afterwards you guys can ask, you can ask some questions as well. It also puts pressure off audiences. I like that, where you can think about your question, because if I start, what, what, have you think, what, what questions do you have? Sometimes it'll be like, oh, I don't know what to ask first. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to start asking them first. So in this show, um, I heard, well, I know as well, after speaking to you, Yolanda, that you surveyed people and asked people for their stories. How was that? How did you find getting that information and putting that into the show? Um, so I, about a year ago, I think I probably had a quarter-life crisis because uh, a friend of mine got pregnant and I remember we were on a train in Deptford and I was sitting there like, she's having a baby. Oh, And I'm thinking, how can I keep my young person's rail guard? That was like my main thing that was going through my mind. Um, and I thought I really wanted to write a story about that whole thing of expectations of growing up and when do you become an adult. Um, and I knew that I had a view of what I think this is, but I thought, let me also put a survey out there and get people's thoughts. And interestingly enough, a lot of people did say about young people's rail cards and people getting pregnant and getting married and having to like commit to to buying a house and that kind of was like a starting point for getting me to really think about what is this thing that I guess millennials kind of face but actually when I was making it I was in Sheffield and one of the guys was like he's not a millennial but he said he went through it of this whole thing about when uh, you get to a certain point and you drop your nickname and you become a full name hence why it was no more Juju it's Janice (laughs) 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 you drop your nickname full name so yeah that's really cool and um as you said, some of the things I saw in there, I was like, oh my gosh, that is happening to me now. <laughs> oh, no. Like, how quickly it happens from university and slowly everyone's getting married. You're like, oh. And then babies are coming up. It's really quite... It is a bit, it is a bit scary. Um, what I want to know is uh, about some of the visuals and um, sound effects you put in the show because I know that you did that in your last show and you really like to have visuals. So how did you, how did you come up with putting those in your show and what inspired them? And also, I've also got a question for you, Jade, because I know that you DJ have heard that you do music. So, yeah. also for you, Very Jade, yeah. <laughs> how did you do you like working, incorporating visuals and sounds as well in your productions? Uh, definitely sound, and it was yeah. the first time kind of looking at visuals like with like with having like yeah big old projection, um, projection, which is thanks to the way who is like a projection genius, might I add. Like literally, he was just like, oh, what do you think of this? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. How did you do that? Oh, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. And it's like, no, 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 it's a lot, a lot of hard work. And um, yeah, I think the way is amazing to make, make a lot of magic. Um, and in terms of music, yeah, like me and the way literally just had a lot of conversations and sometimes it was like, he was like, just give me a word, Jay, just give me a word. And I was like, fun, okay, that's fine, you know. And um, we shared a lot of music. Yolanda also kind of like gave us um, songs and reference points of what we thought a certain sound might be or what certain vibe it is. And literally um, the way he ran away and came up with his own versions of different genres of music, literally. Like I remember when it was like, yeah, the wedding like has to be like a real Afrobeat kind of vibe. And we were just like, yeah, yeah. And the way he's like, okay, like, you know, show me what this is. So we're like sending him tracks and he was like, oh, okay. Oh, the drums, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> And then literally creating songs, and we're just like, yeah, this is amazing. Like, we can do a soundtrack. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of fun, definitely a lot of fun. Um, and the way, how was it making it? Yeah, how was that? <laughs> it was, I enjoyed it too. It was my first time approaching any of this kind of stuff with music before, because I've never composed for the stage in terms of the kind of soundtracky way. Most of my stuff had been just the sound effects and putting things together. 
and I was really nervous at first because I, my biggest worry was that my taste in music wasn't going to be in line with the taste of music that you guys would want for the show. Because I'm very, like, plastic when it comes to music. I listen to, <laughs> <laughs> I listen to Top 40, like, <laughs> And she was like, oh, let's have some, some trap or grime, and I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> but uh, that's where the, the, those words came in. I thought, hey, give me an adjective, or, like, give me, like, a, a, an artist that you like that I can kind of, you know, explore. And she was really great with that as well. That was and how my did, side. And how did you find being on stage and doing that as well? I, it's nice because, you know, I feel like when you do stuff like this with the projections or with sound, you don't get to be as much a part of the experience and seeing how people receive it. So being given this kind of gift of being able to also be on stage and see how you guys react to it and feel, feel about it was very nice. It's fresh for me as, a, as like a designer. It's really nice to see you also on stage and like as it's happening and you also enjoy you watching it and enjoying yeah, it. Like it's yeah. quite it is quite nice to see that because you see it's kinda of like seeing that the show um, stripped back rather than like you see everything happening as it's going on. Um, and how do you find it, Yolanda, having the sound, how does that help you uh, on stage? It's like a party. I always said like the last show that you saw our last show, yeah. some of you on here seen our last show. And the music was slightly different. It was more jazz. And for this one, I was like... What was the last show? Oh, um, On the Edge of Me. So it was our first, the first ever show that Jaden and I ever made. And it just, yeah, propelled us into another place. Um, it gave us this platform to create a second show. Um, and this show, I knew that I really wanted to create, like, a party atmosphere. I wanted to see what it was like to have a show that did go a bit deep, but also allow people to feel energetic. And so that's why downstairs we have, I don't know if you saw the screens, there's GIFs on the screens and I was like I would love to have gifts like things that are so current and now let's make gifts let's have like areas where you can write stuff and do stuff and we're still experimenting and playing with things and we thought let's see if this can transfer into this room so it's great to have music that like Lou has made because at first I was like I want to have Skepta no I want Skepta and, and, <laughs> and, and they were like oh no why don't we make original and it was really great to hear Lou who was literally like I don't know what Skepta is or who Skepta is <laughs> <laughs> and then go away and make something that I'm like Skepta would probably like spit to that mm. <laughs> <laughs> you did really well and how did you find with this show you also took it um, to places venues and had audience feedback to you how was that after um, like performing it and then having the audience kind of like say oh we like this we like that how was how was that making the show like did it add value to it for you yeah so we we scratched the middle part of the show which was the part where I talk about I come from a line of warrior and strong fighters into the hugs part and those are the two things I wanted to play with seeing if people like this whole heritage thing and this whole hug me thing and it seems like people like to be hugged uh, so that was really cool to get people's feedback bless you uh, people's feedback of being like oh I really love the hugs I really love the heritage part and what is this language that's on stage and I said oh it's Yoruba and that's a really cool thing because I'm Yoruba um, can't speak it um, but I thought I'd love to have that on stage, especially because there are so many, like, us, there are Nigerians in the room, and there are a lot of people who I speak to being, so I'm second generation Nigerian, who are like, I wish I could speak the language, I feel so disconnected from my country, and we're trying to learn, we're trying to learn, we're trying to learn, so I thought, well, let's put some of that on stage, let's have the Europe of voiceovers, let's have subtitles in English to make English audiences work harder, because sometimes, yeah, English, yeah. do you know what I mean, sometimes we, we can get lazy, I'm one of them, because I can't speak Yoruba, so yeah, it was really cool to to have audiences say, I've, I've never heard of Yoruba before. Hearing them first call it Yoruba, I'm like, it's Yoruba. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they go away and they research into it, and they're like, yeah. this is really cool. So, yeah. 
I liked how also you had the Yoruba not just in bits because I think sometimes when you hear second languages on theatre, like in especially African settings, you only hear like the bits and the words to emphasize the sentences mixed with English. So I really liked that you had like the full Yoruba. And I was like, oh, that's quite, that's nice. That's nice to hear. And Gemma, you're a, you produced the show. How did you find also doing, taking it around and seeing audience feedback as a producer? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am very protective of the team, as anyone that knows me knows that. It's sort of slightly pit bull in a good way. <laughs> so I sort of uh, took up Yolanda on a very long train journey up to Stockton. And we did, as Yolanda said, a scratch. And it's just really interesting because... Of course, I am watching the art on stage, but I'm also fascinated by audiences and what makes audience come to things. So, yeah, forgive me if I was peering at you or to see who was in here, because I just find it amazing how people choose one show over another. So going, going up to Stockton in particular was just really interesting. And then talking afterwards, because there's lots of feedback, and it's very generous as well. Um, and then it just gives me ideas, because I'm always on the marketing as well, of course. I, <laughs> I don't stop. This head is just buzzing all the time. And how did you find working on this show compared to On the Edge of Me? Because you also, did, you also yeah, produced that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic. I was very chuffed to be asked again. Um, <laughs> also did something all right in the first show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, different, it is, I mean, everyone's saying that. It is yeah. a step up. It definitely is. Um, and it seems to be, to sound really cliched, it's a big journey for Yolanda. Um, and it seems like the next step for Yolanda <coughs> is this play. Looking forward to the third one now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's no, no, I've already thought about my third one. You have, you know, I know you have. <laughs> We're not going to mention it properly now, though. Um, but no, fantastic, and it's just, it's just a huge privilege, and also just for me, and not to get on for big lecture because I always do. <laughs> but but theatre for me, I, I have a trouble, I have problems with theatre a lot of the time. And what I love about Yolanda and Jay's work is that it's so immediate, and it's so current that people that normally wouldn't go to theatre can come in and they're going to identify with it and they're going to find something and they go, yeah. Like, Joe, my other half will not do theatre. He just will not do it. He says his life sort of ebbs away as he sits in the theatre. <laughs> which, which is how a lot of people think. But actually he came to the last show and actually enjoyed it. And I think that alone is a, is a sort of amazing thing. Yeah, I think also your shows, Yolanda, are quite good for audience members who don't do theatre because yeah. it's very... It's very friendly and very giving, and the audience don't feel like they have to sit back and be like, oh, I'm just watching a show. Like, you invest, you let them be part of the show. And um, what makes you choose that style of theatre? I think because I find it hard sometimes to sit in a theatre for a very long time. And um, I'm very inspired by, like, um, music. I love music. And when I get a chance to go to a concert, I love seeing, like, like the person that, when I made the show, I thought about was, like, Lady Gaga because when I saw Lady Gaga, she did her performance, she brought an audience member up on stage, she sang with them, she did something with them, they went away, and if, for me, I was like, wow, imagine if we could do that with theatre, imagine if we could create an experience like that, and so I kind of did this with like the Lady Gaga in mind. <laughs> 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 like, oh, let's try, I want to try and replicate an experience that Lady Gaga kind of makes. Um, so yeah, I, I like doing it. I think people always say to me, oh, isn't it scary talking to the audience? And I'm like, that is the easiest part. I find that the easiest because audiences just give stuff like thank you Sam <laughs> like it's fun like the guy we had last night had a similar reaction didn't he like he lit but he went for it I think he was yeah, secretly an actor actually. <laughs> <laughs> he was like hi and we were just like oh my gosh wow and it's, it's, really, it's really cool when that happens because I have to I have to find a way to, to kind of like think on my feet and I think I like that I like having to think on my feet 
that's kind of scary on stage, but it is nice. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. And um, Dave, how do you also find um, directing shows? Because you've directed a variety of different shows, and with your lands, it's different from the other stuff you do. So how is that directing a show that involves the audience and is very... Actually, I was going to say, a show that's charismatic in itself. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy it, to be honest. Like, I feel that... Um, when they say, oh, it's different every night, like it literally is different every night and that makes it more and more exciting for me because that's what I feel that theatre should be and that's why I think that it is an experience, kind of what Yolanda was talking about and that's, again, what I feel like theatre should be. Everyone can go home and watch a film and everyone can go to a cinema and watch the same film and everyone talk about the same moment but you can come and see this show <coughs> different nights and get a different vibe, get a different feeling and that's what really, really excites me and also I think, for me, it's about um, making sure that there's a structure there that it's kind of like, and I know the last show was very jazz and I really like jazz, but they always say, you know, and obviously I love this kind of music as well, I'm doing all this kind of stuff, but, um, you know, with jazz they always say, oh, you know, learn, you know, learn your skills, learn everything and then throw it away and just be free. And that's what I feel my approach to directing is. It's very much like, you know, get the structure, get everything there and then just forget about it and just kind of run wild and, you know, and just have fun with it. So that's what I hope and that's what I'm trying to do um, as we keep developing and keep growing um, to create this piece, to allow it to kind of have that, and then Yolanda can just be amazing on top of it all. Yeah. And the way of music, obviously. Because yeah. this, really like this is just phase one. We know. I, really, I did enjoy the music. I felt like joining in when you were the club scenes. I was like, oh, I want to go and dance. That. <laughs> Especially as you said, like, when you, when you um, have those moments as a, as a like, in your early 20s of, like, having serious responsibilities, and then you just want that club night to kind of de-stress. I think everyone experiences that. Definitely. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's cool. And does anyone have any questions at all? Yeah. Um, wonderful show. Thank you. I watched On the Edge of Me and um, it, it was so, so <coughs> moving and so real. Um, I think the representation of um, London especially, but of England uh, to the outside world um, is often this Mary Poppins, <laughs> Corgis, Trumpets, sometimes <laughs> scones, you know, tea with the Queen every day. That's what we all do, and um, and that's not true. This is a complex, interesting city, and there are so many different people and different cultures and experiences here, and that's the truth, and that's what's interesting. And I really do feel that with your work, that's what you're showing, and that's wonderful and it's meaningful. And tonight I had I had fun. I wanted to dance as well. So my question is. Um, <laughs> Nigerian diaspora is a global one. Yes, everywhere I've been in the world, there are there are Nigerian, there are Nigerian communities. So my question would be, um, if the funds were there, if everything was in place, would you take this play to Nigeria and also to the States as well, considering how large the communities of Nigerians are in both of those places? <laughs> we are desperate to be honest. <laughs> if anyone's got a nice big checkbook. <laughs> it's been my dream to take the play to New York in particular. Mm -hmm. And we and Yolanda have uh, long conversations every day about it. And Nigeria would be amazing. Completely amazing. It'd be really interesting to see what they thought of it. But yeah. would it work? Sorry. Can I ask, would it yeah. work? Because it's, I mean, this is very uh, like, I'm actually the first generation of Nigerians in my family to be born here, so I'm probably probably 20 years older than you, but um, 
it would be very diff a very different context if you took it to Nigeria, and it depends where you take it. You're from a big language group in the West. I'm from a state of minorities in the Midwest. I, I don't know how well it would work, and it would depend where you took it to, whether you took it to Lagos, whether you took it to the South-South, where the oil production is. I mean, it would have to be adapted. It couldn't be that you could just take it as it is and, and perform it in Nigeria, because it depending on the audiences, it would be received very differently, so it would have to be adapted. Um, sorry, can I just add just one yeah. comment to that? Part of the reason why, and I, and I think you've made a lot of um, interesting points, but part of the reason why I asked that question was because there's another playwright who's also Nigerian, she's amazing, um, Bola Baje, yeah, of course. Um, so with, um, so then her first play was Gone Too Far, and she won an Olivier Award for that play. Fantastic play. The play um, was then made into a film, a great film. I laughed and it was awesome. Um, so definitely look it up. Um, so with that film, um, she then took that film to Nigeria as well. And I actually, at that Q&A, I asked her the same question and that plan was already in place. So um, it went to Nigeria and it was number one in Nigeria. And she's also, she's also released a film that was the first Snapchat movie in Nigeria went to but, but Nigeria so, so, is very so, diverse. Yeah, you, know, you go to the north, you go to the east, you go to the south or the west. I mean I'm not saying it couldn't work, but you know, it's Nigeria is a failed experiment created by the British, you know, and it's it's very different. It's like a bit like China, lots of countries within a country, they're quite distinct and to some extent, you know, it's it's worked pretty well considering the challenges it faces, but it, it's, it's very distinct. So I can imagine in Lagos, it would be really well received. If you went to Wari or further east, you know, it'd have to be adapted. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just exploring that sort of thing. Yeah. I think as well, just adding on to all of that, for me, I feel like what's amazing is for other parts of the world and other cultures to see our take on what our connection to culture is, yeah. or our, what our our lineages because you know again our history is crazy you know the, the African diaspora you know it's insane and I think there's something about like what Yolanda's saying in terms of our generation really trying to connect to our roots and I feel that you know part of me you know and I'm, I'm Caribbean you know and in the sense of okay what's what's my connection to here or what's their connection to here and in fact you know we are all one and in a way us kind of talking about these things and taking it elsewhere allows them to kind of see, oh, wow, we are similar, or, or this is similar that we have, or I never knew you guys dealt with that dinner with the whole crumpets, Mary Poppins kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of amazing what theatre can do in a sense where it can be so specific, but yet other people can get something from it or even not, but us know and accept that and even realise that um, I, think, I think a lot in terms of, you know, like how we can pay homage to our ancestors and, you know, again, our lineage and all these kind of things which this play explores or kind of just talks about, actually. And um, us and, and letting other countries or like Nigeria, for example, let them know that we haven't forgot about them because sometimes they might feel, oh, you're British. Do you know what I mean? It's different, it's different, which is fine. And yes, it's true, but we still love you. Do you know what I mean? Or we still want that connection, which is so hard sometimes. But, but yeah, that's just my thoughts on, on that whole complex topic. Yeah. Are there any other questions? Um, I love the play that's in the poetry uh, in the script. How long did it take to learn? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
wrote it, and I wrote it essentially in like two weeks properly at the beginning of this year, and I was tweaking it because I realised that the, the rhythm, if you certain words can throw the rhythm out, and we'd even be in rehearsals last week. Mm. No, that word doesn't work. Take that out. Put this in here because the rhythm isn't right. Um, and so once we can put those slight changes in, it, it takes a while because you just don't want to break the rhythm and break the way that things should be played. So. Yeah, every night I, I like sit by my bed and I just look through the script. Like early in the morning, I go through the script again because I'm so conscious that if I slip, if slip a word or miss up something, it kind of messes the whole flow of it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think from now until our next show, because uh, we're doing Edinburgh this year. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. First full time at the French. So we're, we're going to go back and rework the play. Mm -hmm. um, we're sitting down every single night from May <laughs> until like July, like this. <laughs> just going through it. As, well, I, while you were saying that, I just remembered also in the show, I liked how you reflected on the different generations and what they were doing at our age. Yeah. I think that's something that's coming up a lot on social media recently. I don't know why. It's a bit, it's a bit scary sometimes. Because mm. you're like, at 23, they were doing this and full-time mm. jobs and two kids. And like, you're like... I'm not doing any of that. I'm not close to any of that. So that was really nice. And what made you put that in, the reflection of it? Well, I'm looking over there because my mum's here. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my mum would be like, oh, when are you going to have children? I'm like, mum, I'm like 27. <laughs> and she's like, oh, but come on. Like, she, and it's that generational thing. And when I spoke to my grandma, I think my grandma had her first child at 19. Yeah, 19. And I'm, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what? That seems like so young. I was still like at uni trying to figure out my life, trying to turn up to lecture on time. Um, so I wanted to put those things in there because I feel like there's an expectation in a way. By 25, you are supposed to figure out life and you're supposed to be able to get ready to pay for full price travel. And that for me is a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, and um, thank God for Sadiq Khan, because he saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, that, it's that thing that I wanted to put in there, and, and I think, I don't know if this is a thing, like, uh, by the time I'm like 35 or whatever, I'd love to see what kind of things I will be looking at and think, oh, wow, I've achieved this, or by this age, someone was doing this, and I'm doing this. Just, just Yeah, I think age is a massive thing that's happening a lot, especially with Facebook yeah. and Twitter. You see a lot of people who are doing stuff that seems to be traditional and I'm like yeah I get to go to work every day and I get to act on stage and sometimes I feel like oh it's great to be a performer but I do sometimes feel those pressures of some people are like getting a mortgage and yeah, yeah. I'm seeing nods yeah. in the room so there's people who are like, yeah I get it yeah yeah any other questions um yeah thank you all so much it was really it was really awesome um I wondered about obviously like you're a writer and a performer um and it's really personal Work. Do you ever think of me of what uh, of like getting someone else to perform your work and seeing what that does with it? Um, I my work is like I would say it's probably like forty five percent real life and the rest of it's made up, quite fictional, and I pull things out. Um, and I enjoy performing, but we always said there'd be a version, especially with our last show on the edge of me. Like I said, I don't do it anymore. But people were like, oh, I still want to see it. So I said, look, I don't mind if it went out and somebody else was in it, but. Like someone said, well, people come to see you in it, so that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I'd love to see what happens with that, because there are so many amazing performers, like this girl called Charlotte Josephine, who did a show called Bitch Block, which she wrote for herself, and she did it for a bit, and then somebody else did it. Um, and it, people, it's a different, it makes a difference, you know, people do come to see the performer. So I'd love to see what it's like to have somebody else do it. Like, my dream would be, like, I'd love to see it, like, 
imagine if it was all in Yoruba and it was like um, some of the parts that are in Yoruba were translated oh, were English instead. So it's basically reversing the show. Mm. That would be so cool to see. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to edit this bit out because it would give it away and the show was only previewing at Oval House and it's going to Edinburgh later in August. So you can see it there and I just don't want to give away any spoilers. Um, it's a really good show. So what I'm going to say is that it's skipping to a part where Yolanda talks about um, people giving her information on their personal quarter life crises. Um, <coughs> with my writer hat on, like, and they're like, oh, what are you working on? I said, I'm making a show called Quarter Life Crisis. And then people would just be like, oh, I want to tell you about my quarter life crisis. <laughs> and I'm like, and it felt like a surgery that like people would come over and be like, I heard you writing a show about a quarter life crisis. Can I tell you mine? And I just thought, this is something really cool that people just want to sit and tell me their story. I'd love to be able to create a part in the play where that could happen. Do you find that the connection between I was like really conscious to try and not make Alicia too similar, the character in this one, similar to my last character, Remy. By that choice, I was like, right, I could have a Nigerian first name. I was like, no, she's going to have, like, because I'm Nigerian, but my name I go by is Yolanda. Um, and I thought I'd love to have that thing of she's called Alicia to kind of break that a bit. Um, and I thought, actually, I think if they both lived in the same world, they wouldn't be friends, would they? <laughs> they might have went to the same primary school or something. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? They yeah, might yeah. have had the same primary school and then they kind of went on their own. Can you just but also, oh yeah, okay. So Remy, um, it, all my plays always kind of start around university. I think university changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all for me. Um, uh, Remy graduates from uni and essentially she literally wants to be a writer and she can't. She can't find a job in that. She goes to the job centre and she goes through that whole job centre experience that I know a lot of graduates go through. Um, a lot of people in life actually go through. Um, and we kind of see this journey from that and lots of events that happen to her. And as time goes by, we start to see a bit more of her mental health issues that start to come through. She's got anxiety um, and depression, anxiety. And then we kind of see this whole thing about the whole diagnosis with young people and mental health issues. Um, <coughs> and so that whole journey and that whole story. That it was a really it was a hard one, but I'm so glad I told that story because yeah. there were so many people who saw that and friends who even said like before that they'd never really spoken about their mental health issues, and then once I did the show, they kind of felt like they could talk about it, and I felt really sad that it took me writing a play for them to be able to say, look, mm -hmm. I get really depressed, and sometimes I can't get out of bed. Um, and actually, from doing from seeing your show now, I feel like I can talk about it. We had we got so many people, didn't we? Like. We stood at a yeah. well, we did it at Wolverhampton and the theatre we went to university, and so many students just tweeting us and messaging me like, "I'm so glad you did that show. I've told my parents I've got depression. I feel a lot better. I've always felt like I couldn't talk mm -hmm. about it." And I was like, "This is crazy that people are going through this." Oh, I was in tears. I could have to. I mean, yeah. I was yeah. We did a Q and A after every show for me yeah. every year. Particularly in Wolverhampton, there was one woman that came up who was suffering with depression. She's never told a soul, and she told me and Yolanda. And we were both like that, and I literally thought, this isn't cool if I start crying in front of her, I'm going to be strong. So I literally had to walk off and come back. And that happened a lot, because I was like, because yeah. obviously I'm a teeny bit older, haha, than a lot of the audience. <laughs> we were with in Wolverhampton, and I was like, women, you're in your early 20s, you're in the prime of your life, and they were really not in a good way. Um, and so we spoke to the tutor, who was very aware of it, and then they put in some pastoral care into yeah. it, which was amazing. So that was really powerful, because I've never worked in a play where that's happened before. Um, 
I'm also going back to your question. I think um, there's a similarity in the sense of we're dealing with like the 20s. Do you know what I mean? Like living in the 20s, and it's like what our problems are, first world issues, in a sense. <laughs> but at the same thing, they are real, real things that we do deal with and that are real in our lives. And also, I think it's a conscious thing for us to kind of look like with On the Edge of Me, it started on high and it kind of went really low. <coughs> so we consciously wanted to kind of do the opposite and really end on a high. So in the sense where we're talking about something, but like I said, we've got this party element and it's more about fun, it's more about entertainment, rather than kind of like, you know, we're gonna talk about this serious issue and kind of like create change. Even though this, I think, is about creating change, but this is more like, you know, let's have fun while doing it. So it was purposely, tactically, trying to have a different feel with both shows, different shows. I was gonna say, yeah, that's quite evident, having seen both shows, and this show, it's kind of like, it, shows you you can have a crisis but you can kind of get over it and you can not get over it in a sense but you can move on it Every, everyone has their crises <coughs> and it's more normal I think so that's quite nice to see it's like you don't have to have your life sorted it's part of it's part of who we are you can't have your life sorted all the time I think that's normal um, and we had a question over here and just, just about the dialogue or the narrative in Uruguay which was amazing love speaking but it was nice to hear did you write it and then it was um, translated how did it work because it's very difficult sometimes to translate things from English to Yoruba, so I wondered how you got it to get, because it was really good, and I just wondered how it came about. I'm smiling, because this, this, <laughs> this, this uh, my uncle's here as well, and my family there. Uh, so, <laughs> this is where it's like, it's taught me, now I really want to learn Yoruba, yeah, because yeah. I wrote the speech in English, and I said, this yeah. is going to be translated into Yoruba, and I was like, it's going to happen, we'll figure it out. And I was like, so I asked family members, and they were like, yeah, I understand Yoruba, but I don't speak it. And I was like, oh my gosh, who do I know that speaks Yoruba? We're on Gemma's on Facebook. Any Yoruba speakers? <laughs> I will Facebook. Any Yoruba speakers? I did get I, quite a few backers. I'm texting people who know people who know people. There's a woman who works here. She's Yoruba. And actually, she she is the voice of the granddad. When you see that, that's actually a woman's voice. We just dubbed her voice down. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm all actually the voices, actually female voices in the talent in the way, just dub them down. <laughs> and <laughs> she was so amazing because I like I learned a lot about my name, what it means, because she gave me a history lesson. That's why I put it in there. <laughs> Elders take pleasure in, and take certain understanding giving us a history lesson. She said, I was like, Do you know what your name means? And I was like, uh, uh, she goes, How can you not know? Right. Your surname means crowning. Did you know that? And I was like, no, she goes, how can you not know this? And she just literally gave it to me whilst writing down translations for the poem. And then the last one we struggled with because I didn't want to ask her again because I thought she's actually working here. Like, she works in the farm. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, she actually has to work. I can't keep bothering her. So I asked people, and my mum's sister lived in Memphis. So we sent the script to her <laughs> via WhatsApp. She sat there in Memphis, translated it, sent it back via WhatsApp. We waited and took it off and then moved <laughs> into the show. <laughs> Long story short, it came via Memphis and downstairs. <laughs> International show. Yeah. And, and also, as well, there's a moment where, where Yolanda does speak Yoruba, and um, we was like voice noting on WhatsApp at the time, oh, sure. where she was trying to get the translation of it, and she was like, well, technically, I can't actually say that because there is no translation like yeah. or a Yoruba, Yoruba version of that sentence. So there's a way of how can, like, you know, and us kind of like strategically trying to make that moment happen, and her kind of, what can she say in Yoruba, what can be translated in yeah. Yoruba, and what is actually a very English thing to say. So it became a moment within itself, but again, that happened like, you know, being pragmatic and, you know, and just embracing these differences and just making it work, really. A lot of time spent trying to learn Yoruba and 
calling my uncle. And I was like, uncle, um, say something. He goes, what are you saying? I'm like, speaking Yoruba. And he's like, nah, that's not Yoruba. <laughs> I was like, oh, nah. And my mum was like, don't worry, not everyone in the audience is going to be Yoruba. <laughs> well, I've got to at least try. So that's why we kept it really simple. And I think from May until August, I'm going to try and learn a phrase so I can say it fully in Yoruba. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. Saying that, sometimes as you say there might not be many people who understand Europa, but there's always one. There's always one. There's, there's always one. Always one. one. <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah, exactly. I'm gibberish. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, hey. <laughs> we had a question over here as well. but I never actually use any more direct conversation with them to me. What about if it was something that, what if it was like, um, I don't know, a conversation you had years ago and you don't know where they are, you know, but um, you use their story anyway? Mm, I don't... You, what if it was like, yeah, like you, you've just met them, you don't know where they are, you can't ask them. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's always great to take inspiration. It's like... Michael Jackson, we all love him, right? And he did say, you know, um, learn from the best and then make it your own. Mm. And so I feel like that's a really good kind of thing. Yeah. If you are inspired by a story or something, it's like, okay, well, what is it about that story that I'm connected to or that I like? Is it the fact that it's to do with a broken heart? Do you know what? Okay, cool. How can I then use that element of a broken heart and make it my own? That's what I would say. Yeah. No, no artist knew everything was taken from yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And that's yeah. what's amazing about it. <laughs>
very supportive. Very good. She, no, she, she really is. She's like, it's always good. Like, cause my dad's here as well. Um, my dad. <laughs> She's like Jaleesa. Like, she would just spit it like that, and I'd be like, I can't believe you just said that. I just can't believe you just... I'd sit there like, I can't believe you're saying that. Um, and I just thought, I don't know how I came up with the car bushing thing. I thought about trying to get money off people, uh, and I imagined her trying to get money off people, and I can imagine her saying, oh, you don't have cash? Don't worry, I've got actually car <laughs> I can imagine her saying that. So I was like, I wrote this character imagining I was her. Um, so that kind of, in a way, answers your question that on her loosely. Luckily enough, she's not seeing the show. She's away. But if she does see it, I'm like, this isn't you. This isn't your life. But yeah. Um, but yeah, based on her. <laughs> well, we're going to have some final questions. Any last questions from anyone? Uh, good show. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, I saw it on the internet as well. Yeah. I saw that it was brilliant as well. Visually, this one looks, keeps pacing it up as best as you know. Oh. It's, it's the visual this one looks so brilliant. And what I wanted to ask is, with your writing, now you've written two shows, do you find it gets easier and you know what you want to write out? The next the next couple of shows or does it get harder and more challenging? Do you think challenging mm. always comes and you just have to challenge? Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest things when you're a writer, and I know it's writers in the world, you're amazing writers, um, and you have meetings with people and they go, oh, so you're working on the show ne now, what's your next show? And you're like, I'm still writing one. Um, and I think it comes with, I get inspired by the world around me, so whilst we were on towards the end of on. Towards the end of On the Edge of Me, I started to think about quarter-life crisis. And now I'm on quarter-life crisis, I'm like, I want to make a show and I want to make a show with my dad. Um, which I've already asked him, he's fine with that. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm already starting to think about that and I'm already planning that in my mind, knowing that I'm going to start working on that towards the end of the year. So if that happens, I don't know what the story's going to be, but I know I want to do a show with my dad. Um, so, yeah, I think I, to answer your question, I kind of get ideas. I put them down and I think what's going to change because I think the world's 
I want the world to feel different and I want you to play with different experiences. Um, so, yeah. Did that answer your question? Any last questions before we finish off? There's a hand there. Comfortable artistic oh, background. Oh, a comfortable artistic background. I mean, in your family, you said you went to your dad. Yeah, my uncle sings. My dad's, <laughs> my dad's a chef. Uh, my mum sews amazing clothes. Um, and she also writes. My sister's not artistic, but she's still got like, that kind of. She's got actually a basis character. Reminds me a little bit. She's not the same. But my sister comes from a mindset that she's really good with numbers. She likes money. Um, <laughs> and we're so different like that. Um, I'm an artist. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can like pay me whenever. Like pay me chef buttons. I don't mind. Um, and I thought about show you do. The way that my character thinks is because she does math. She did math at university. She thinks in equations, but she thinks in more than equations, which are emojis. <laughs> and I kind of yeah. So I kind of got inspired by like both like my amazing family, um, but I also went to an art school. So I went to um, the Brit School from the age of fourteen. Um, so yeah, I went to performing arts school. So I spent time learning how to perform <laughs> and all that. We had a question over there. Um, it's not necessarily a question, it's more of a praise, really. Um, uh, Yolanda knows I'm really a big fan of her work. And yours too, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she's gone on to another milestone with this piece here, because where you've highlighted the comparisons on social media between your life and other people, it's like a big thing nowadays because of the rise of social media. I like how you've showed the journey that, you know, you didn't just start at a destination, you had to go... You have to ride the roller coaster basically to get to the end place, and I think what you're doing at the moment is needed, you know, for a lot of people to know it's okay for you not to be born in your lane. And no, no, I think I think yeah, you always say the best things. Like it's an amazing poet, and actually we met like maybe two, three years ago, and I had a night that I used to run with Jade called Sunday Detox, and we kind of got Yeah, James was DJing. <laughs> my friend Metsy came on stage, and Markel was there, and I said, oh yeah, we need someone to come on stage. And Markel did some poetry, and his poetry is so moving. He was like, oh, I just write, and yeah, I kind of write. And he just, his writing is so beautiful, and it's so poetic, and it's so nice to hear that from you, because I'm always like, I'm your biggest fan. So it's like, fan of a fan. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you. I think that's a perfect point to end. Yeah, it's very nice way. So thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for you guys for spending your time after the show and answering questions. No, thank you all for coming. And thank you as well. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on both Twitter and Facebook at Ordinary Artists.